Chapter Seven of Louise de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Louise de la Valliere by Alexander Dumas. Chapter Seven. How Porthos, Truchen, and Planchet parted with each other on friendly terms, thanks to D'Artagnan. There was good living in Planchet's house. Porthos broke a ladder and two cherry trees, stripped the raspberry bushes, and was only unable to succeed in reaching the strawberry beds on account, as he said, of his belt. Truchen, who had become quite sociable with the giant, said that it was not the belt so much as his corporation, and Porthos, in a state of the highest delight, embraced Truchen, who gathered him a pailful of the strawberries and made him eat them out of her hands. D'Artagnan, who arrived in the midst of these little innocent flirtations, scolded Porthos for his indolence, and silently pitied Planchet. Porthos breakfasted with a very good appetite, and when he had finished, he said, looking at Truchen, I could make myself very happy here. Truchen smiled at his remark, and so did Planchet, but not without embarrassment. D'Artagnan then addressed Porthos, You must not let the delights of Capua make you forget the real object of our journey to Fontainebleau. My presentation to the king? Certainly. I am going to take a turn in the town to get everything ready for that. Do not think of leaving the house, I beg. Oh, no, exclaimed Porthos. Planchet looked at D'Artagnan nervously. Will you be away long? he inquired. No, my friend, and this very evening I will release you from two troublesome guests. Oh, Monsieur D'Artagnan, can you say— no no you are a noble-hearted fellow but your house is very small such a house with half a dozen acres of land would be fit for a king and make him very happy too but you were not born a great lord no more was monsieur porthos murmured planchet but he has become so my good fellow his income has been a hundred thousand francs a year for the last twenty years and for the last fifty years porthos has been the owner of a couple of fists and a backbone which are not to be matched throughout the whole realm of France. Porthos is a man of the very greatest consequence compared to you, and, well, I need say no more, for I know you are an intelligent fellow. No, no, monsieur, explain what you mean. Look at your orchard, how stripped it is, how empty your larder, your bedstead broken, your cellar almost exhausted. Look, too, at Madame Truchen. Oh, my goodness gracious, said Planchet, Madame Truchen is an excellent person, continued D'Artagnan, but keep her for yourself, do you understand? And he slapped him on the shoulder. Planchet at this moment perceived Porthos and Truchen sitting close together in an arbor. Truchen, with a grace of manner peculiarly Flemish, was making a pair of earrings for Porthos out of a double cherry, while Porthos was laughing as amorously as Samson in the company of Delilah. Planchet pressed D'Artagnan's hand, and ran towards the door. We must do Porthos the justice to say that he did not move as they approached, and, very likely, did not think he was doing any harm. Nor, indeed, did Truchen move, either, which rather put Planchet out. But he, too, had been so accustomed to see fashionable folk in his shop that he found no difficulty in putting a good countenance on what seemed disagreeable or rude. Planchet seized Porthos by the arm, and proposed to go and look at the horses. But Porthos pretended he was tired, 
Planchet then suggested that the Baron du Vallon should taste some noyau of his own manufacturer, which was not to be equalled anywhere, an offer the Baron immediately accepted, and in this way Planchet managed to engage his enemy's attention during the whole day, by dint of sacrificing his cellar in preference to his amour propre. Two hours afterwards D'Artagnan returned. "'Everything is arranged,' he said. "'I saw His Majesty at the very moment he was setting off for the chase. "'The King expects us this evening.' "'The King expects me?' cried Porthos, drawing himself up. "'It is a sad thing to have to confess, "'but a man's heart is like an ocean billow, "'for, from that very moment, Porthos ceased to look at Madame Truchen "'in that touching manner which had so softened her heart.' Planchet encouraged these ambitious leanings as best as he could, or rather gave exaggerated accounts of all the splendours of the last reign, its battles, sieges, and grand court ceremonies. He spoke of the luxurious display which the English made, the prizes the three brave companions carried off, and how D'Artagnan, who at the beginning had been the humblest of the four, finished by becoming the leader. He fired Porthos with a general feeling of enthusiasm, by reminding him of his early youth now passed away. He boasted as much as he could of the moral life his great lord had led, and how religiously he respected the ties of friendship. He was eloquent and skilful in his choice of subjects. He tickled Porthos, frightened Truchen, and made D'Artagnan think. At six o'clock the musketeer ordered the horses to be brought round, and told Porthos to get ready. He thanked Planchet for his kind hospitality, whispered a few words about a post he might succeed in obtaining for him at court, which immediately raised Planchette in Truchen's estimation, where the poor grocer, so good, so generous, so devoted, had become much lowered ever since the appearance and comparison with him of the two great gentlemen. Such, however, is a woman's nature. They are anxious to possess what they have not got, and disdain it as soon as it is acquired. After having rendered this service to his friend Planchet, D'Artagnan said in a low tone of voice to Porthos, "'That is a very beautiful ring you have on your finger.' "'It is worth three hundred pistoles,' said Porthos. "'Madame Truchen will remember you better if you leave her that ring,' replied D'Artagnan, a suggestion which Porthos seemed to hesitate to adopt. "'You think it is not beautiful enough, perhaps?' said the musketeer. "'I understand your feelings. A great lord such as you would not think of accepting the hospitality of an old servant,' without paying him most handsomely for it. But I am sure that Planchet is too good-hearted a fellow to remember that you have an income of a hundred thousand francs a year. I have more than half a mind, said Porthos, flattered by the remark, to make Madame Truchon a present of my little farm at Brassieux. It has twelve acres. It is too much, my good Porthos, too much just at present. Keep it for a future occasion. He then took the ring off Porthos's finger, and approaching Truchen, said to her, Madame, Monsieur le Baron hardly knows how to entreat you, out of your regard for him, to accept this little thing. Monsieur du Vallon is one of the most generous and discreet men of my acquaintance. He wished to offer you a farm that he has at Brassieux, but I dissuaded him from it. Oh, said Truchen, looking eagerly at the diamond. Monsieur le Baron, exclaimed Planchet, quite overcome. "'My good friend,' stammered out Porthos, delighted at having been so well represented by D'Artagnan. These several exclamations, uttered at the same moment, made quite a pathetic winding up of a day which might have finished in a very ridiculous manner. 
but d'artagnan was there and on every occasion wheresoever d'artagnan exercised any control matters ended only just in the very way he wished and willed there were general embracings truchen whom the baron's munificence had restored to her proper position very timidly and blushing all the while presented her forehead to the great lord with whom she had been on such very pretty terms the evening before planchet himself was overcome by a feeling of genuine humility still in the same generosity of disposition porthos would have emptied his pockets into the hands of the cook and of celestine but d'artagnan stopped him no he said it is now my turn and he gave one pistole to the woman and two to the man and the benedictions which were showered down upon them would have rejoiced the heart of harpagon himself and have rendered even him a prodigal d'artagnan made planchet lead them to the chateau and introduced porthos into his own apartment where he arrived safely without having been perceived by those he was afraid of meeting End of chapter seven